to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Turns out machines can read, but can they truly understand? That's what some scientists are trying to figure out, and they're getting help from a machine with a name associated more with rubber duckies. In the fall of 2017, Sam Bowman figured that computers still weren't very good at understanding the written word. Bowman's a computational linguist at New York University. Sure, computers had become decent at simulating the understanding of written word in certain narrow domains, like automatic translation or sentiment analysis. For example, determining if a sentence sounds mean or nice. But Bowman wanted measurable evidence of the genuine article, bona fide, human-style reading comprehension in English. So he came up with a test. Bowman co-authored a paper in April of 2018 with collaborators from the University of Washington and DeepMind, the Google-owned artificial intelligence company. In it, Bowman introduced nine reading comprehension tasks for computers. He dubbed the tasks GLUE, general language understanding evaluation. This seemed like a fairly normal sample, a fairly representative sample of what the community thought were interesting language understanding tasks. Glue and superglue are deliberately built on these tasks that we think should be pretty straightforward for humans, that anyone who is a fluent English speaker who's got something like an undergraduate education, we think they're qualified. These are tasks that anyone in that population should be able to learn to do pretty easily. One task asks whether a sentence is true based on information offered in a preceding sentence. A good example of one of these tasks is you hear a long sentence, usually from something like a news story, and then a short sentence that's talking about some of the same things, and you have to decide if the short sentence is true. So it'll be something like President Bush landed in Iraq for the start of a seven-day visit, President Bush is on an overseas visit. And you'd say, yes, if I accept the first one, the second one's true. And another one might be President Bush has not yet left the United States. And you'd say no. So there are these tasks like this that we think should be pretty easy to learn. But the machines bombed. Even state-of-the-art neural networks scored no higher than 69 out of 100 across all nine tasks. That's a D plus if you're back in school. Bowman and his co-authors weren't surprised. Neural networks are layers of computational connections built in a crude approximation of how neurons communicate within our brains. They'd shown promise in the field of natural language processing, or NLP, but the researchers weren't convinced that these systems were learning anything substantial about language itself. Glue seemed to prove it. Bowman and his co-authors wrote that the early results show that solving glue is beyond the capabilities of current models and methods. But not so fast. Turns out their appraisal would be short-lived. In October of 2018, Google introduced a new method nicknamed BERT. No, not the lovable character from Sesame Street. Hey, look, BERT. I've got a banana. What kind of a snack did you bring? Oh, let's see. Um... An orange. An orange. Oh, mm -hmm. boy, that's great, Bert. Bert, in this case, stands for bidirectional encoder representations from transformers. It produced a glue score of 80.5. 
On this brand new benchmark designed to measure machines' real understanding of natural language, the machines had jumped from a D plus to a B minus in just six months. Here's Bowman. The arrival of BERT seemed like pretty clear evidence that we're running out of headroom. So we didn't have good human level measures for all the tasks yet, but it was getting numbers on many of the tasks that were close to what we thought would be the limit of how well you could do on those tasks. That was definitely the ocean at the moment. The general reaction in the field was sort of incredulity, that this is really just an astoundingly good result. Why did this happen? What do we do now? What does this mean? We, like many people, were just pretty shocked and pretty quickly got to talking, at least informally, about, hey, if we want to keep running a benchmark, we're going to need to do something new in response to this. Glue didn't even bother to include human baseline scores before BERT. By the time Bowman and one of his PhD students added them to Glue in February of last year, they lasted just a few months before a BERT-based system from Microsoft beat them. Currently, most of the positions on the Glue leaderboard are occupied by systems that incorporate, extend, or optimize BERT. Many outrank human performance. But is AI actually starting to understand our language? Or is it just getting better at gaming our systems? BERT-based neural networks have taken benchmarks like glue by storm. Meanwhile, new evaluation methods have emerged that seem to paint these powerful NLP systems as computational versions of clever hands. That's the early 20th century horse who seemed smart enough to do arithmetic, but who was actually just following unconscious cues from his trainer. The more precise you try to make that distinction between sort of this is a hard case of language understanding or this is something that just goes beyond language understanding, the trickier and the more debatable it gets. Most of the stuff that is obviously uncontroversially just language, the tasks that you can solve by just understanding language and not doing anything else, we're really mostly solving that. But there's a big gray area of stuff that feels like if you can understand language and just do a little bit more, it should be easy. And it's looking like we're not very good at those and we're kind of figuring out how close to general intelligence and sort of how much of language we've covered. We know we're somewhere in the gray area between solving language in a very boring, narrow sense and solving AI. And I think we're still trying to figure out how far along we are. In the famous Chinese room thought experiment, a non-Chinese speaking person sits in a room furnished with a bunch of rule books. Taken together, these rule books perfectly specify how to take any incoming sequence of Chinese symbols and craft an appropriate response. A person outside slips questions written in Chinese under the door. The person inside consults the rule books, then sends back perfectly coherent answers in Chinese. The thought experiment has been used to argue that no matter how it might appear from the outside, the person inside the room can't be said to have any true understanding of Chinese. Still, even a vague semblance of understanding has been a good enough goal for natural language processing. The only problem is that perfect rule books don't exist. Natural language is far too complex and haphazard to be reduced to a rigid set of specifications. Take syntax, the rules that define how words group into meaningful sentences. The phrase colorless green ideas sleep furiously has perfect syntax, but any natural speaker knows it's nonsense. 
What pre-written rulebook could capture this unwritten fact about natural language or countless others? NLP researchers have tried to deal with this by having neural networks write their own makeshift rulebooks. It's a process called pre-training. Before 2018, one of NLP's main pre-training tools was something like a dictionary. These tools were known as word embeddings. They encoded associations between words as numbers in a way that deep neural networks could accept as input. It's like giving the person inside a Chinese room a crude vocabulary book to work with. But a neural network pre-trained with word embeddings is still blind to the meaning of words at the sentence level. Tal Lenzen is a computational linguist at Johns Hopkins University. The program would think that the man bit the dog and the dog bit the man are exactly the same thing. A better method would use pre-training to equip the network with richer rulebooks before training it to perform a specific NLP task. These rulebooks would not just be for vocabulary, but for syntax and context as well. In early 2018, researchers at OpenAI, the University of San Francisco, the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence, and the University of Washington simultaneously discovered a clever way to approximate this feat. Instead of pre-training just the first layer of a network with word embeddings, the researchers began training entire neural networks on a broader basic task called language modeling. Mile Ott is a research scientist at Facebook. We're going to train you to do some almost kind of like toy or artificial task that doesn't require any human label data. The simplest of these is often referred to as a language model. So the simplest kind of language model is I'm going to go start on the left, I'm going to read a bunch of words, and then try to predict the next word. So if I say George Bush was born in blank, the model now has to predict the next word. The great thing about this is it doesn't require any human labels. You can feed it a terabyte of text and just automatically come up with examples like this. These deep, pre-trained language models could be produced relatively efficiently. Researchers simply fed their neural networks massive amounts of written text copied from freely available sources like Wikipedia, billions of words pre-formatted into grammatically correct sentences. Then they let the networks derive next word predictions on their own. In essence, it was like asking the person inside a Chinese room to write all of his own rules using only the incoming Chinese messages for reference. And it turns out by doing this, the model already learns a ton of stuff about like syntax. It learns information about the world. These pre-trained neural networks could then apply their richer representations of language to the job of learning an unrelated, more specific NLP task. This is a process called fine-tuning. You take the model from the pre-training stage and you now kind of adapt it for whatever actual task you care about. When you do that, you get much better results than if you had just started with your end task in the first place. In June of 2018, OpenAI unveiled a neural network called GPT. It included a language model pre-trained on nearly a billion words, sourced from more than 11,000 digital books for an entire month. Its glue score of 72.8 immediately took the top spot on the leaderboard. 
Still, Sam Bowman assumed that the field had a long way to go before any system could even begin to approach human-level performance. Then Bert appeared. So what exactly is Bert? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Hi there, Bert. What you got there? Ah, oh, hey, Ernie. I just wrapped this present here. A present? <laughs> a present, Bert? Oh, wow, what a surprise. Oh, boy, am I surprised, Bert. Bert you... is not the yellow Sesame Street character with his buddy Ernie. And it's not a fully trained neural network capable of besting human performance right out of the box. Instead, Bowman says Bert is a very precise recipe for pre-training a neural network. Just as a baker can follow a recipe to reliably produce a delicious pre-baked pie crust, which can then be used to make many different kinds of pie, Google researchers developed Bert's recipe to serve as an ideal foundation for baking neural networks, or fine-tuning them to do well on many different natural language processing tasks. Google also open-sourced Bert's code. That means that other researchers don't have to repeat the recipe from scratch. They can just download Bert as is, like buying a pre-baked pie crust from the supermarket. If Bert is essentially a recipe, what's the ingredient list? There's three things. The first is a pre-trained language model, those reference books in our Chinese room. The second is the ability to figure out which features of a sentence are most important. In 2017, an engineer at Google Brain named Jakob Uskreit was working on ways to accelerate Google's language understanding efforts. He noticed that state-of-the-art neural networks also suffered from a built-in constraint. They all looked through the sequence of words one by one. Even though we tend to think that language is processed sequentially because we often communicate it sequentially, you listen to words uttered in order and so forth, it might not actually be the case that you have to understand language in order. In fact, it might be the case that understanding it simply in a linear sequential fashion is suboptimal. Uskarite and his collaborators devised a new architecture for neural networks focused on attention. This mechanism lets each layer of the network assign more weight to some specific features of the input than to others. This new attention-focused architecture, called a transformer, could take a sentence like, a dog bites the man, as input, and encode each word in many different ways in parallel. For example, a transformer might connect bytes and man together as verb and object while ignoring the word a. At the same time, it could connect bytes and dog together as verb and subject while mostly ignoring the. The non-sequential nature of the transformer represented sentences in a more expressive form, which Uskarite calls tree-like. The idea of structuring language tree-like, I think everybody would agree, including myself, and I'm definitely not a linguist and don't necessarily believe in the adequacy of linguistic methods. Everybody would believe that to a certain extent, language truly is tree-structured, except it's not exactly tree-structured. If you want to push it into this tree-structured shape, you will lose something, right? There are dependencies that don't fit this tree-structure, but most dependencies do. Each layer of the neural network makes multiple parallel connections between certain words while ignoring others. It's like a student diagramming a sentence in elementary school. 
These connections are often drawn between words that may not actually sit next to each other in the sentence, says Uskarite. This self-attention mechanism, if you look at the structures that it finds along which it communicates information between, say, different words in a sentence, those structures effectively look like a number of trees that are overlaid. This tree-like representation of sentences gave transformers a powerful way to model contextual meaning. They could also efficiently learn associations between words that might be far away from each other in complex sentences. Uskarite calls the idea counterintuitive. The third ingredient in Bert's recipe takes nonlinear reading one step further. As we heard earlier, many other pre-trained language models are created by having neural networks read terabytes of text from left to right. But BERT's model reads left to right and right to left at the same time. Mile Ott of Facebook says that makes BERT unique. The real novelty then with BERT was figuring out how do you have that bidirectional context while not having the model kind of cheat and just like look at the word and then it doesn't have to actually predict anything. So with this bidirectionality, Bert learns to predict words in the middle of sentences that have been randomly masked from view. Here's Uskreit again. In Bert's case, there's an interesting, very finely tuned parameter, which is how large are these subsets. You typically mask about 15% of the words. For example, Bert might accept as input a sentence like, George Bush was blank in Connecticut in 1946. That blank, or masked word in this case, would be the word born. Bert could predict the masked word by parsing the text from both directions. It's some kind of mix between left-side, right-side context, so this bidirectionality, but also making it more robust by, at any given moment, conditioning it to try to get as much information as it can out of any subset of words. The Mad Libs-like pre-training task that Bert uses, called masked language modeling, isn't new. In fact, it's been used as a tool for assessing language comprehension in humans for decades. For Google, it also offered a practical way of enabling bidirectionality in neural networks. Previously, unidirectional pre-training methods dominated the field, even though they were somewhat restrictive. Each of the three ingredients, a deep pre-trained language model, attention, and bidirectionality, existed independently before BERT. But until Google released its recipe in late 2018, no one had combined them in such a powerful way. Like any good recipe, BERT was soon adopted by cooks to their own tastes. Sam Bowman says that was really evident in spring of 2019. There was a period when these two teams, Microsoft Research Asia and Alibaba, were leapfrogging each other kind of week by week, just kind of continuing to tune their models and improve things and trade places at the number one spot in the leaderboards. When an improved version of BERT called Roberta first came on the scene in August of last year, DeepMind researcher Sebastian Ruder dryly noted the occasion in his widely read NLP newsletter. Another month, another state-of-the-art pre-trained language model. BERT's pie crust incorporates a bunch of structural design decisions that affect how well it works. These include the size of the neural network being baked, the amount of pre-training data, how that pre-training data is masked, 
and how long the neural network gets to train on it. Subsequent recipes, like Roberta, result from researchers tweaking these design decisions, just like chefs refine a dish. You remember Mile Ott, a research scientist at Facebook. Bert was trained over a collection of books and Wikipedia, but we wanted to explore training with much larger data sets and also training much larger models that had more layers and more parameters and things like that. So with Roberta, researchers at Facebook and the University of Washington tweaked Bert's recipe by adding more pre-training data, longer input sequences, and more training time. They took away a next-sentence prediction task, originally included in BERT, that actually degraded its performance. And they modified it by making the masked language pre-training task harder. Here's Ott, who worked on Roberta. What we did here is we took BERT, we kind of pushed the hyperparameters to the limits, and showed that, in fact, if you do that, it actually achieved really big improvements on these tasks that you care about. The result? first place on the GLUE leaderboard, briefly. Six weeks later, researchers from Microsoft and the University of Maryland added their own tweaks to Roberta and eked out a new win. Another model called Albert, short for A-Light Bert, took GLUE's top spot for a while by further adjusting Bert's basic design. Others have taken the top spot since, each with their own tweaks. Even a model called Ernie has made it onto the leaderboard. Facebook's Mile Ott says each version tweaks ingredients. There's kind of been growing understanding of how these things connect to each other and how they affect the quality of the models that you end up with. By no means, I think, are these things solved. So in some sense, we're still figuring out really what recipes work and which ones don't. Just as perfecting your pie baking technique isn't likely to teach you the principles of chemistry, Incrementally optimizing BERT doesn't necessarily impart much theoretical knowledge about advancing NLP. Tal Lenzen is a computational linguist from Johns Hopkins, whom we heard from earlier. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't follow all these papers because they are extremely boring to me. They're all doing very similar things, but are training on somewhat larger data sets or have some other minor tweaks, you know, more layers. It's very unclear there's a scientific interest in those papers. At the same time, it appears to know where it will end or like what's the limit of those models. But the details of each specific model, especially when they come out every month, there's a new one. It's like it's kind of tiring to try to keep up with it. But Linson says there's still value, even if it doesn't lie in figuring out how to make BERT and all of its descendants smarter, or even trying to figure out how they got smart in the first place. There is a scientific puzzle there, which is how are these models able to perform tasks that we used to think required symbolic AI, required these complex representations from linguistics and psychology that we've been studying for decades. Part of what we are trying to do is to understand to what extent these models really are doing well in the sense that are they really understanding language or are they picking up weird tricks that happen to work on the data sets that we commonly evaluate our models on but don't actually represent knowledge of language. In other words, BERT is doing something right. But what if it's for the wrong reasons? In July of 2019, 
two researchers from Taiwan's National Chunggong University used BERT to achieve an impressive result on a relatively obscure natural language understanding benchmark called the Argument Reasoning Comprehension Task. Performing the task requires selecting the appropriate implicit premise, called a warrant. The warrant backs up a reason for arguing some claim. For example, let's say we argue that smoking causes cancer because scientific studies have shown a link between smoking and cancer. To argue that, you need to presume that scientific studies are credible, which is the warrant. If it's all still a jumble in your brain, don't worry. Even human beings don't do particularly well on this task without practice. The average baseline score for an untrained person is 80 out of 100. Bert got 77. The authors called that surprising, a total understatement. But instead of concluding that Bert could apparently imbue neural networks with Aristotle's reasoning skills, they suspected a simpler explanation. Bert must be picking up on superficial patterns in the way the warrants were phrased. After reanalyzing their training data, the authors found ample evidence of these so-called spurious cues. For example, simply choosing a warrant with the word not in it led to correct answers 61% of the time. After these patterns were scrubbed from the data, Bert's score dropped from 77 to 53 equivalent to random guessing. An article in The Gradient, a machine learning magazine published out of the Stanford Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, compared Bert to clever hands, the horse with the phony powers of arithmetic. In another paper called Right for the Wrong Reasons, Tal Lindzen and his co-authors published evidence that Bert's high performance on certain glue tasks might also be attributed to spurious cues in the training data for those tasks. The paper included an alternative data set designed to specifically expose the kind of shortcut that Lindzen suspected Bert was using on glue. The data set's name was fittingly Heuristic Analysis for Natural Language Inference Systems, or HANDS. So is BERT and all of its benchmark-busting siblings essentially a sham? Sam Bowman agrees with Lindzen that some of GLUE's training data is messy, with subtle biases introduced by the humans who created it. Those biases are all potentially exploitable by a powerful BERT-based neural network. There's no single trick that will let you solve everything, but there are lots of shortcuts you can take that will really help you with those tasks because they were constructed in a sort of quick ad hoc way using crowdsourcers. The crowdsourcers took shortcuts, understandably, and the model can pick up on those shortcuts. It seems like we have a model that has really learned something substantial about language and something that aligns very well with how we like to measure understanding, but that isn't quite doing it the way that it would really need to be doing to be completely robust, to be completely convincingly human-like. So we're not quite there yet, but we have something that resembles a solution. Yejin Choi is a computer scientist at the University of Washington and the Allen Institute. She says one way to encourage progress toward robust understanding is to focus not just on building a better BERT, but also on designing better benchmarks and training data that lower the possibility of clever hand-style cheating. Her work explores an approach called adversarial filtering. 
It uses algorithms to scan NLP training data sets and remove examples that are overly repetitive or that otherwise introduce spurious cues for a neural network to pick up on. Interestingly, even though after adversarial filtering, BERT performance can reduce significantly, human performance does not drop as much. Still, some NLP researchers believe that even with better training, neural language models may still face a fundamental obstacle to real understanding. Even with its powerful pre-training, BERT is not designed to perfectly model language in general. Instead, after fine-tuning, computational linguist Anna Rogers says it models a specific NLP task or even a specific data set for that task. Rogers is based at the Text Machine Lab at the University of Massachusetts, Lowell. It's also likely that no training data set, no matter how comprehensively designed or carefully filtered, can capture all the edge cases and unforeseen inputs that humans effortlessly cope with when we use natural language. Sam Bowman points out it's hard to know how we would ever be fully convinced that a neural network achieves anything like real understanding. After all, standardized tests are supposed to reveal something intrinsic and generalizable about the test taker's knowledge. But as anyone who has taken an SAT prep course knows, you can game those tests. Bowman says it's difficult to make tests hard enough and trick-proof enough that solving them convinces us that we've fully solved some aspect of AI or language technology. Bowman and his collaborators recently introduced a test called Superglue that's specifically designed to be hard for BERT-based systems. So far, no neural network can beat human performance on it. But even if or when it happens, does it mean that machines can really understand language any better than before? Or does it just mean that science has gotten better at teaching machines to the test? Bowman says that's a good analogy. We figured out how to solve the SAT and the GRE and the LSAT and the MCAT, and we might not actually be qualified to be doctors and lawyers. There's a really strong tendency in AI research that's, I think, been true for as long as we've been working on AI, that as soon as we've figured out how to program a computer to solve something, it doesn't feel like intelligent behavior. Chess is this great example, that chess felt like a serious test of intelligence until we figured out how to write a chess program, and then it's like, oh, it's just a program, it's just this few thousand lines of code and you solve chess, that's not interesting. And so there's this sense that we will write off anything that BERT can do as a dirty trick and not interesting just because BERT can do it and we know how to do it and we know how BERT works. And that we sort of risk just kind of narrowing and narrowing and narrowing the slice of behaviors that we consider intelligent behaviors to only the things we don't really understand. But Bowman says artificial intelligence research is still moving forward. I think we're definitely in an era that the goal is to keep coming up with harder problems that represent language understanding and keep figuring out how to solve those problems. Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read John Pavlis's full article, Machines Beat Humans on a Reading Test, But Do They Understand? on our website, quantamagazine.org. And did you know that this podcast isn't the only way to listen to Quanta Magazine? Quanta's books, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire and The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press, are available to listen to now at audible.com. Audible.